Master Bowman podcast. If you're obsessed with the strategies, gear, and stories that will make you a better backcountry bow hunter, you're in the right place. We're independent, unsponsored, and unbiased, so we can cut the fluff and give you detailed advice on what really works and what doesn't. Today's podcast is all about locating elk quickly, what their general behavior looks like, what you should do when you come to a new area, and a lot of detailed information on exactly how old sign is. So let's dive into it. Well, hello, Josh. How's it going, Baxter? Uh, the world has changed. <laughs> yeah, I cannot believe you have a kid now. It is uh, a pretty special moment. I have to limit myself to 30 seconds here. We could do the whole podcast on this, but uh, it's the happiest I've ever been in my life and the most tired I've ever been in my life all at the same time. Yeah, it's amazing. How many days has it been now? Uh, I think three, four hours ago, we hit his one week birthday. Wow. So pretty, uh, pretty amazing time. Yeah. I remember, um, I texted you something about, Hey, we're going to record an episode or something. And then you just said something like, uh, baby here, something you alter. And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) I was like, wait, what? I I was about to text you out. Hey, I think you meant to send this to Margaret. And then I was like, Oh, the baby's here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's what happens when you don't sleep for two days straight. Uh, oh man. Yeah. It's been, it's been incredible. I don't, like I said, we just can't talk about it. I'll keep going. Um, yeah, you just couldn't be happier, man. It's, it's amazing. And I, we were planning on taking an RV up with us this fall and, and, uh, Margaret's going to be up there with him kind of at base camp and we were a little worried about it, but even after a week, I'm like, that's the best decision ever because the ability to go out there and hunt kind of come back and hang with him is just going to be so priceless amazing and i said it offline but i want to say online too but congratulations thanks man yeah it's uh everyone's been super super great about it i actually posted it up um to you know my personal stuff and to this stuff and everybody's been i think there's just something in the human condition where it's just an everybody knows what an amazing moment it is you know it's such a I've only been away from it a week and i kind of wish i could go back through it again my wife and i were just sitting here like man we wish we could go back Wow. Uh, it's just such a cool moment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, congratulations again. And I do also want to say on air, happy birthday. It was, uh, I know your son was born like the day before. Pretty cool. The day before my birthday. Yeah. He timed that pretty darn well. I, I told <laughs> Margaret she should just hold it, but uh, she didn't find that that funny. So <laughs> yeah, man, that was cool. But yeah. Well, we, uh, we get to do another, I think we say this every time. This is a great one or something like that. This is really fun. This is this is like full on strategy and tactics. We're into the like locating out quickly bit, right? Like how do you find them when you get to a spot? And this is, this is the fun stuff, right? This is hunting. Um, I've been looking forward to this episode for a long time because I've been listening to a lot of these podcasts. And I think one of the big pieces of the learning curve that new hunters need to get over first is locating elk. Um, and I know when I went scouting last year, I didn't see a single one. So I can there's some there's some stuff I need to learn how to do. Now, if there's one part of the learning curve I can probably help you knock down about actually hunting, this is probably it. Because uh, the other stuff, I'd say closing the gap, like the uh, the next ones we're gonna do are where to camp, closing the gap, and then like how to make a shot. Like those things, mm-hmm. I can tell you that, but to some degree, you kind of just have to learn it. Yeah, right. It's but this is one where I can tell you it, and it'll just kind of help you. Awesome. Uh, so it's a cool one. So we'll. The way we broke this down in the post, or I broke this down in the post, was you're talking about general elk behavior and then talking about like my strategy. And then I think one of the most useful things is going through all the different types of sign and helping you age them. 
Mm -hmm. Because a lot of guys are like, well, how old is that poop? How old is that rub? How old is that wall? You know, all these things. So we can go through that detail at the end. But um, we probably just kick it off by talking about uh, your general elk behavior. Because I think when you understand how they act and what they do, that's the first step to locating them, right? You got to know what what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's let's dive in. But, oh man, you're going to hear me pound this every single thing from here on out. But uh, like the number one thing about elk is like their entire life is governed by the wind, right? So they don't, they're not, they don't have a great sense of sight. Their sense of hearing is good, but they make a lot of noise. They're not as concerned about it. But wind, oh man, if you're a mile away and that wind goes straight to them, they're gone. They're mm-hmm. just gone, 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 gone. And so the way they, they live is they're constantly kind of going into the wind or in areas where it's going to come to them. Okay. Because that's their safety net, right? They, they want to be fully aware of anything that's in front of them or that could sneak up on them. Um, and that's kind of their, their bit. So that's going to change everything about where they are during the day, how you locate them, where they're going to be at. Um, it, so I think the most important point for you, knowing that in this part, you know, locating them quickly, is that you could actually be in an area where they are, but they're just not there during a certain time of the day. Hmm. Okay. Right. So you might be down in a meadow um, during the middle of the day and they're actually up on top. And so we'll talk about kind of that uphill downhill switch here in a second, but does that make sense? Yeah. So number one factor is the wind. What about like food, water and like uh, safety or bedding areas? Yeah. You know, that all plays in and we'll cover a little bit of that in a minute, but they, you really, their entire life is dictated by the wind. So they'll go to all those things and they'll go do all that stuff and that will help you locate them. But where they are during the day and that's you know where you're going to want to hunt or where you're going to try to find them is going to be dependent on that wind. Okay. Um, and you know, obviously without saying, but I'll keep pounding it in every, any way, it's like you just can never be upwind of these guys, um, especially if you're moving into some area. You know, It's really tempting to move into something like morning or evening and you want to go in this one valley and the wind's going in there and you're like, ah, oh, screw it. Like they won't notice. I'll just go quick or something. It's like, it'll take years, but you'll just learn. There's no way to get around it. Yeah. Um, it's the most infuriating thing, but you just got to avoid that when, it, when you're trying to find them. Yeah. I had a random thought. Would it be, would it be like, do some people just head in the opposite direction, like into the wind and just keep following where the wind is going? Like yeah. the opposite way and try to find elk that way. Pretty much. Uh, and we'll talk about where to camp next week. And that kind of plays into it of like where you want to be because you can think about where you want to be during the day. And, and uh, spoiler alert, like the standard, I go back to camp in the middle of the day and I hike up to them in the morning and hike up to them in the evening is a horrible thing generally because you're going to end up, no matter what you do, you're going to end up having at least one or two times you're going against the wind or you're kind of going through the wind. Mm-hmm. And that's that just scares them out quick, right? It's just it. bad news bears. So uh, that's part of the reason I like backpacking is it like lets you put the the piece on the chessboard where it needs to be to play the wind the right way. Right. So uh, and we've talked about this before, I think, but just to rehash it, the the general um, the general way wind works in most of these places, and I say general because if there's predominant winds or you know a storm coming in, this will change. But if there's no kind of weird factors and it's steep elevation like elk like to live in. Generally, the wind goes uphill in the morning and it goes downhill in the evening. And that's because, you know, as the, the first light starts to hit in the morning, the air starts to heat up and 
go back up the hill, right? Mm-hmm. And that switch can happen anywhere, you know, nine to 10 in the morning. I mean, it could happen anywhere from like seven to 11, but that's the general times kind of nine to 10 where the wind switches and starts going uphill. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the evening it switches as the air starts to cool and starts to flow downhill. Right. Around what time in the evening? Oh, that one totally depends it, of, of the two. That one's a lot less predictable. Okay. It depends on the heat of the day and how mm-hmm. cold the night's gonna gonna be. Um, so that you, so the, the elk will always travel into that wind, right? Mm-hmm. So that means they're gonna generally walk downhill in the afternoon as the wind starts to rise, right? They're gonna wait for that switch. They're not gonna really move until that switch happens, and then they're gonna walk downhill into it. Does it make sense? Then yeah. they'll go feed, and actually they're nocturnal, right? They feed all night long. People kind of forget that. Mm-hmm. Um, so they feed all night long in the meadows, wherever it is, you know, the water, things they like to be near. And then in the morning, once the wind switches again and starts, um, starts dropping, they're going to go up. So, I mean, so it's going to be in their face again. Okay. So actually if we can, maybe if we can do like a 24 hours mm-hmm. elk behavior, so at night they're feeding and then in the morning, the wind's coming down, but then it heats up. So it goes up. There's that switch at nine to 10 AM. Mm-hmm. And when that wind's going uphill, the elk are coming downhill. Correct. Yeah. So okay. generally they're Into just, the wind. they're bedded up high on a ridge during the middle of the day. They're down, you know, down feeding at night. Got it. So in the evening they're coming down once the wind starts going up and mm-hmm. in the morning they're going up when the wind starts coming down. Got it. Okay. So they're heading. Yeah. Wind's blowing in their face. Correct. Everywhere. Okay. So, that's you know, that's the thing about locating elk is you got to know where they are at any given time and you know, what they're doing and they're going to leave a ton of sign making that kind of daily movement which is great news um but it's you know if you're looking in the wrong area at the wrong time like uh, i've seen guys uh, on the other side of canyons and stuff walk right through an area that's just loaded with elk um mm-hmm. in the evening and they for some reason they didn't even look down they didn't even check it out like one of my honey holes they walk right through it uh and if they'd you know, just look down and hung out toward that evening, I guarantee 10 or 20 elk would show up. So, wow. uh, you know, it's, it's just knowing that's going to be kind of the fundamental of finding elk really quick. Got it. Okay. And so midday, uh, you traditionally hunters will tell you morning and evening or the times to hunt elk, you know, go home and take a nap. Uh, and I actually think that's not really true. I think that's some of the best time. And when I've killed, well, let's see, all the one of my elk have been, has been in the afternoon. Uh, in the midday uh, and that is a phenomenal time because what's what's happening with the elk is in the morning and the evening they're moving right they got to be somewhere and there's a little urgency there because the wind's going to switch right i mean it depends yeah. on the morning or the evening but they're they want to get going and so the problem with elk then is if you find them you're often chasing them okay right? so you're moving after them going uphill which trust me you don't want to do <laughs> or you're trying to drop behind them coming downhill and so they, you're, they, they're smart, right? They want stuff in their face, but they also want to move fast enough that a predator would have a hard time catching up with them. Yeah. So it's tempting because you'll get these things where you'll find them really easily in the morning and the evening. And you're like, I'm finding elk, I'm into elk, I'm into elk. But all you're doing is you're always just chasing them up and downhill. Mm-hmm. And uh, that could be really difficult. So I think the middle of the day is a fantastic time because it's one of the only times they're totally, totally still, right? Yeah. Is that because they're bedded? Yep. Because they're bedded down, they're hanging out. But Again, I think there's misconceptions there. When guys think bedded, they think, oh, they're just, all of them are sitting in a bed 
they're totally racked out. They're just sitting there for like eight hours. But in my experience, if you watch elk bedded and I've done it, you know, a lot, a lot of the way I hunt, I'll watch them for four or five hours, wait till the perfect opportunity and sneak in on them. Mm-hmm. But they actually get up and feed all around their bed, like probably every 30 minutes to an hour. And they're usually near a water source because we talked about this earlier, how much they drink, right? Because like yeah. some gallons a day. So they've got to, they've got to feed around. So they kind of get up and mill around. Yeah. Uh, so they're, they're much more comfortable where they're at. They're not as wary because mm-hmm. uh, they've, they feel like they're in a great spot. They're a lot more likely to come to calls because they're not worried about getting somewhere here. They're just curious. So I've found good luck with calling them kind of during that time frame as well. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, if the winds are right, they're pretty easy to sneak in on at that point in time. Cause they're not going to be, you can move slow enough to be quiet when they're moving. Yeah. There's no way you can move slow enough to be quiet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a really great time. Now that said, everyone's like, Oh, I'm going to go hunt the midday. The reason they're in that spot is because usually it's got swirling winds or it's got some sort of weird, funky setups. They feel comfortable because it'd be really hard for something to sneak up on them. So you really, really have to, you play that right where you're waiting and watching the wind. You got to be very sure it's stable, right? Yeah. Okay. You sneak into an elk bed and it swirls, man, game over. They are gone, gone. So you know, it's getting into a little tactics there, but really in the middle of the day, you're looking for the bedding areas and bedding areas are almost always, you know, higher up on a steeper ridge. Again, traditional wisdom always says north facing slopes because mm-hmm. north facing slopes are cooler. They're facing away from the sun, right? In the northern hemisphere, the sun's around the equator. So south facing slopes hit the, you know, get the sun during the day. Yeah. So that's traditional wisdom. Uh, again, in my experience, I don't know, I've seen so many elk on south facing slopes with barely any timber. So they're almost always going to be in the trees or somewhere with shade, but uh, they're going to be up on a ridge. It's really what it's about. Yeah. So, and they're below tree line up there. Yeah. They'll be in the trees usually. I mean, I've seen exceptions to every rule, but they're almost always in some dark timber patch, you know, or somewhere where they can get out of the sun because it's hot. Yeah. It seems like it'd be hard to spot them when they're bedded. Do you usually spot them when they're milling around? Yep. Yeah. You'll, uh, and that's the thing with glassing too. glassing techniques. I would never always do multiple passes. Mm-hmm. You know, you do, we can talk about like detailed glassing stuff later, but you'll always do a quick pass with handheld and then I'll flip out the, uh, the tripod. Yeah. Kind of grid through something, but, uh, yeah, you'll notice you kind of watch one area then all of a sudden you'll look up and they're not hard to spot. They're huge, right? They're bright. So it, yeah, but you'd want every, you know, look at something every five minutes or something just to see if one's mm-hmm. standing up and walking around. Okay. But yeah, so if you're locating them, then you're looking for, you know, tree line, just under tree line, two thirds of the way up a ridge, that kind of thing. They're, they're generally embedded in there pretty steep with a bench. They love benches, flat areas in the steep, right? Yeah. Oh, kind of like when we saw those group of elk at mm-hmm. in cash in uh, that spot in California. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, uh, that was exactly it. Right. It was like a steep hillside and they had a little tiny flat section there. Yeah. And they were easy to spot. They were super bright. You could see them, uh, even without the binoculars. Totally. Yeah. Very typical elk behavior. Although they were much more in the open, but in California, there's not really dark timber for them. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So that was, uh, so that's where you're looking in the middle of the day. Uh, you brought it up earlier, really good point, which is there's gotta be water and feed, right? Like no matter where they're at, was it 10 gallons of water a day, 15 to 25 pounds of grass a day. That's a ton of yeah. stuff to eat. Uh, so you're looking for that too, if you're looking for them, right? So those are, 
that's just general general rules. Like that's what elk are doing. That's where they're gonna be. That's what they're looking for. Like I said, any rule in elk country is bound to be broken, but 80-90% of the time, that's what you're gonna look for when you you look for elk. Okay. Let me see if I can sum this up in my head. So wind in the morning goes up because uh everything's getting heated up, the wind's mm-hmm. going up, and that means the elk are headed down with the wind in their face. Other way around. So they, it's kind of confusing because the wind is actually the wind is actually coming. Oh, let's see if I can get this. The wind is going down. So they're, yes, no, you said it right. It was a okay. baby brain. Nailed it. Yeah, <laughs> they're going up, going up in okay. the morning and they're coming down at night. That's, that's all you need to worry about. Just think in about the, the wind. Yeah. Yeah. So the wind is going up in the morning, down at night and elk are doing the opposite. Other way around. Elk are going up in the morning, coming down at night. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. If you remember one thing, just remember they're down at night. They're up okay. in the middle of the day. Okay. Down at night. Cool. So they're bedded on a ridge during the day and the night they're feeding down in that little meadow. Okay. So yeah. So easy peasy. And they, uh, you know, one other thing I will say is guys get real obsessed about the moon phase, uh, mm-hmm. about picking the right one and trying to hunt during that. But I haven't noticed any difference in elk hunting. I just, it just shifts their day around. So if you've got a really, really bright moon, mm-hmm. that generally means that they're more active at night because they can see better and it's easier for them to get around, right? Um, and what I've found with that is that they go back to bed earlier because they've been up all night. They're tired, right? Yeah. And they, they don't need to see stuff. They already saw it during the night. They bed down earlier. But what that means is that they tend to move around more in the midday. Mm-hmm. So it's the yin with the yang versus the other way around when there's no moon. Yeah, they're they tend to be active later in the morning and earlier in the evening because there's light around then. But during the midday, they might not be so active. So, you know, there's a trade-off there, right? Yeah. It's not like one's bad, right? But everybody thinks, oh, I got to go when there's no moon because they'll be more active during the day. It's like, no, well, actually, they'll be, they'll be more active during the midday if there is a moon. Interesting. Okay, because they're just feeding for a lot longer. Yeah. And so during- it's something for you to know if you're like, man, it was full moon last night. I'm out here and it's like, 30 minutes after daybreak and they're all gone. What the heck? Then, okay, well, mm. this'd be a great day to go up there in the middle of the day and check them out on their beds. Got it. Okay. Yep. Okay. So we got all that stuff out of the way. Let's get into the, into the fun stuff. So we talked about scouting already, e-scouting, and you nailed down all your spots. So the way I'm going to locate these guys quickly, any, any area I show up in is I'm going to do something I call running the loop. So if I'm looking at a drainage or two or three drainages really close to together you know we talked about scouting and we found water meadows trails all those things Mm -hmm. and you've hopefully marked them on your gps what i'll do is i'll look at that kind of area i want to hunt and i'll look at all those different things i scouted and marked as hey that could be somewhere they bed somewhere they you know they go Um, i look at it and go okay here's kind of a general loop all the way around the area you don't have to hit every single thing but what you want to do is trying to make sure your path crosses everything everywhere they would go through because you'll find something, okay. right? And so I'll chart out kind of this little loop in my head of like, okay, it might be, you know, whatever your maximum distance you're going to go back in is four, four and a half miles if you're packing it out solo. And you're like, cool, I'll you know, run around this side of the basin. I'll check out those five different things, that wallow, that creek, that meadow on the way. And I'll just kind of go from point to point to point to point mm-hmm. and do that the whole way around. Maybe it's a day, maybe it's a day or two but generally if you can't find sign in a day it's probably time to leave oh wow okay yeah so you're that's moving. what you do that's what you'll do the f- that's the first thing you'll do in a new area 
Exactly. Yeah. That's, okay. this is why e-scouting is so powerful, right? Is you just hit mm-hmm. all the little things uh, that you marked and that's going to save you so much time. Cause what happens if you haven't done that is you'll go in there and you have to discover the areas that might have the elk versus now you already know. Right. And trust me, you can never do it all on Google earth. There'll be uh, other areas. You're like, Oh, I didn't see that Creek or what's that. I'm going to go over there and check it out. You can, do, mm-hmm. you know, you'll do that too. But generally you can hit all these really high odd spots if you hit all those high odd spots in a day, you're basically condensing four or five days of just wandering around into one day. Gotcha. And you're really quickly can kind of do a test of whether elk are in the area. Cause you're going to be able to look at the sign, which we'll talk about here in a minute. Oh, okay. So that loop, the number one thing is, or I guess you're doing two things. One is confirming what you e-scouted. And then number two is looking for sign. Exactly. Yep. Okay. And I'm marking everything I find too, because you know, I might have stuff marked there, but again, I'll walk through the woods. I'm like, man, this, look at this. This is where all the trails converge. You know, mark that. Or, oh, wow, yeah. here's a wallow I'd never seen. Mark that. Mm-hmm. And you'll learn over time when you get it, you're following a creek, for example, and you find a flatter area of the creek and it's kind of boggy. You're like, ooh, okay. That means there might be a wallow around here somewhere. And you kind of loop around that area, right? Mm-hmm. Then you find a wallow. So there's stuff I can't tell you that you'll just pick up over time, but if you're running that loop with those marked spots, you're eons ahead of most guys that are doing this. Nice. Okay, cool. So running the loop, this is the general thing. And while you're, you know, you're running that loop, there's really three things you're doing. You're trying to find elk by sight, by sound and by sign, the three S's, Mm -hmm. right? So you're looking at them, you're hearing them or you're finding their sign. Um, And so let's, let's hit each of those and we can talk through them and we'll really dive deep on the sign side of things. But, uh, the site we already hit it like they're they are not hard to see, and this is yet another reason I use eight x binoculars. But they're oh man, I can spot a naked like an elk with naked eye at like a mile, no problem. Yeah, because they're so bright. They're so bright and they're so big um, that it's just not a problem. And guys will might call BS on this, but I've literally mapped it uh, because I was I knew the two points when I got home. I went point to point, but with eight uh, x binos on a tripod i could easily see elk five miles away on a hillside across the valley so it's uh, you know three to five miles away no problem so mm-hmm. they're pretty easy to see is what i'm trying to say so don't worry about that um before we move on though the bulls have a lighter body and a darker neck mm-hmm. and the cows are kind of in the middle like a tan across the whole thing with a little darker neck but if you're looking and you see like 10 10 elk at a long distance you're not going to be able to pick up horns especially with 8x binos right like yeah any binos even 12x uh, but what to tell them to depart you're going to look for that light body and that light body is the bull okay yeah and they're generally bigger too you know you'll be like oh that's a big one and it's light and you're like oh there you go that makes sense so when you're doing that loop and you get to a high point do you mm-hmm. stop in glass for a little bit totally yeah and that's you know part of the what you mark on the the scouting is like here's my glassing point right or here's where i want to camp that night because I've got a great view of this whole area here and yeah, there's always a little bit of a trade-off. You, know, you can either go down into an area and hunt there and hope they're there, or you can kind of be up a little higher and see them. And you can generally bail off when you find them, you can dive off after them, right? And then you're hiking back up in the dark. Yeah. And I wish, man, it's so hard because all these things, I want to talk about them at the same time, but this would be a 12 hour podcast, right? <laughs> but this is yet again, why the campsites are important, which we'll talk about. Um, yeah. But yeah, you getting up high is a great, great tactic because they'll, what'll happen too is before they drop. So middle of the day, they'll be up high, they'll be bedded 
And before they drop, they'll tend to get up a lot more and mill around. They'll be a lot more active. They're kind of just ready to go, but they're just waiting for that wind to switch. So what will often happen is I'll get up and I'll camp somewhere on a ridge with a good glassing spot, looking into one or two basins in about four o'clock, three, four, five o'clock, you know, depending on what happens. They're up and they're milling around a lot and they're kind of just waiting to go down into the valley. And so at that point, if I see them, I'm going, okay, perfect. And then what I'm trying to do is sneak down and get between them and where they want to go for the evening hunt. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's kind of the, the way to do it. And obviously getting up high is way better, right? Just the higher you are, the more visibility you've got to find them. Yeah. Um, and the, there's a temptation guys get so excited and interested in like killing an elk that they'll just go try to do try to go to situations where you can get something mm-hmm. versus if you invest a night in just like looking, you might actually end up doing better. Cause you're like, okay, there's a pack, not a pack, a group of them here. There's a group over here and there's a group in there, that Valley. So tomorrow morning I'm going down to hunt these as they come up. I'm going to go tomorrow evening. I'll be waiting in that one when those come down. Right. So you kind of got your days planned out. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's a great way to locate them. And if you're in an area with a lot of elk and it's semi open, you should be seeing elk. Do some people do this like the day before the season? Totally. Yeah. The night before. Yeah. Uh, that's a great use of the day before because you can't hunt obviously. So you get way right. back up in there and, uh, and do it. I, I will caution you though, make sure you're not hiking up there at like four or five in the afternoon because mm-hmm. you might be going up when they're coming down and the wind switches and it blows stuff all around. Oh. So if you're going to do that, I'd get up there at like latest two or three o'clock in the afternoon. Okay. So that you're, you're up there when the winds are kind of, you know, and make sure you don't walk through areas that might be bedding areas, you know, really dark timber, or higher up uh, ridge, you know, just kind of go through the slightly more open areas, get up high. And then, yeah, that night, that's perfect. You, know, you can sit there, you can watch them. Um, the opening day of season, that's a great use of time. Oh, interesting. I might do that then, like maybe do the loop in the morning or something mm-hmm. and then get up high at two, three afternoon and then just watch and see if I can find the elk I'm going to go after, I guess, the next day. Totally. Yeah. I would, I would run the loop at like 11, 10 okay. or 11. You kind of wait. So you're sure they're, they're out of the area Yeah, and then go look for sign on your way up to where you want to go. Yeah. Cause you uh, really don't okay. want to spook them. Yeah. No matter what you do, every second you spend in there is a bad, it, it's going to be hurting them. Right. The elk in the area, they're going to be leaving. They're going to be smelling. There's just no way a human being cannot leave something behind. Mm-hmm. So minimizing your impact is really key. And if you okay. do it right, yeah, you'd be totally fine. But Interesting. Cool. Um, so that's, that's generally sight, you know, I love that. And I don't know if I've ever given you the diatribe on the the tripod, but the tripod, in my opinion, doubles or doubles and a half the power of your binoculars. I'm buying one. <laughs> it's incredible. I mean, it's literally incredible. It's, uh, like a, a pair of eight X. I would take a stabilized pair of eight X over a pair of 15s handhold every day of the week. Uh, easy because yeah. what you do is you put them on there and you don't even touch them you just get your eyes right next to them and they're mm-hmm. rock steady yeah so that's how i can see elk at three five miles is you've got you know we've talked about this before your ability to pick stuff up is based on motion mm-hmm. so is the elks really uh, and so if the binoculars even though they don't look like they're moving when you're holding them they're moving at a like a tiny tiny millimeter level right mm-hmm. but at two miles that might be a hundred yards and you just can't even see that level of movement. Yeah. But if it's totally dead stinking still, you can pick everything out. 
Uh, and so they really make a difference. Uh, unfortunately, a tripod's heavy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that little slick one I've got is like 50, 60 bucks and like a pound and a half. That's a great, great little tripod. I'm actually experimenting with a, another one from Granite Peak this year that's like ultra, ultra light, nice. six ounces. Uh, wow. But we'll see what happens there. But that is, you know, you don't have to have that. You can stabilize on a branch. You could just try to get it on your knees. You can do other things, but it, I would take that every day of the week over a spotter or a bigger pair of binos. Okay. Yeah. So it's a really good way to locate out because that tripod, uh, when you get a pie, can really make a difference. Mm-hmm. So, so that's sight, sound, part two. Uh, bugling elk, like we all love bugling elk. Everybody wants to hear them scream, right? Mm-hmm. But it's actually not, like it can be way louder than you think and way quieter than you think um, at the same time. So the number one piece of advice I can give to you on this, like number one piece, and this is super hard to do, is stop at least every five to 10 minutes. Oh, wow. Completely stop and hang out for 30 seconds to a minute. Um, Because it's almost impossible to hear an elk bugle unless it's within half a mile of you if you're walking. Because like it's really lots of crunching going on when you're moving, especially in... uh, we've talked about Idaho versus Colorado and right. Some of them are crispier and crunchier. Mm-hmm. So great story for this one. First time I went into the area I hunt now with my little sister, we walked in like, a, uh, sorry, I don't hunt with her anymore, but I went with her the first time I went in there. We hiked in like a mile and a half running the loop, right? We were going up this little trail area to a wallow I'd marked. It was kind of the first thing that I'd marked that had been okay. Right up a Creek got up there, pull over the wallow, huge wallow, tons of sign, but none of it's super fresh. Uh, and you know, I've been walking this entire way and we hadn't stopped once, right? This is when pretty early on in my fairly short elk hunting career. Right. And she's like, I need to go to the bathroom. She goes over the trees and that's the first time I've stopped and listen. Mm. And as I'm sitting there listening, I hear right over the top of this little ridge right next to yeah. me. Like, wow, oh, man, like blood starts pumping. <laughs> elk are there. And I listened for like 30 more seconds. And the elk, there's two bulls and they are ripping at each other. I mean, they are going off. And uh, I'd been hiking for an hour, like two, two and a half miles in. And it kind of gone around the general area where they were at. And I guarantee if I'd stopped any time in that period, I would have heard those bulls. Dang. But you just don't, it's just, uh, it's very faint a lot of the time you hear bugles, very okay. faint. So if you don't stop, uh, and it's not just sound, right? We're talking about locating elk by sound, but it's not just that. Like you can very often stop and you might see something, right? Mm-hmm. There's also this concept of the doorway, which we'll talk about when it comes to like making shots and getting close. But if I'm in this, uh, putting the, the description of this comes from Paul Medell, the elk nut guy. It's amazing. This is something I kind of learned from spearfishing early on, but he put the doorway term to it. So credit to him for that. Uh, but if I'm in my room, say uh, you're in your house, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. And someone makes a weird noise in another room. You know, you don't walk into the room and walk right up to where the noise was and go, what the heck? You go right yeah. to the doorway and kind of peer around the doorway, right? Right. And that's how elk treat the woods. And so for them, a doorway might be, or room, quote unquote, might be 100 or 200 yards. It's basically an area that they can see into. Mm -hmm. And so they're always just going to come into a little area and then stop as soon as they can see the whole area. And that's as far as they're going to come. 
Yeah. In the same way that you're going to look at the doorway. So all I'm trying to say is while you're hiking, you're going to start to recognize doorways. You're going to recognize little areas where you're like, when I come around this tree or pop over that little edge or, you know, look into this basin, I can see a ton of territory all of a sudden, a sudden, and that's a great time to stop and take it in. Oh, right? cause you might stop. And another thing that happens, you stop 20 seconds, there's nothing here. And then at 30 seconds an elk steps out from behind a tree cause it's feeding. You're like, Oh man, yeah. I've had that happen multiple times. So, uh, it's really important for locating them by sound, but it's also really important for just locating elk in general. Oh, interesting. Okay. So every five minutes or so just, Oh, maybe when you're approaching a doorway as if you were exactly take a pause, peer through that doorway as just like an elk would, mm-hmm. and then look at that whole area and then listen yep. also gives you a excuse to take a break from hiking in the, <laughs> yep. when, when you're gassed out anyway. <laughs> totally. And this is also, you know, we talked about my first elk that I killed. This is exactly the same thing. I came over that little saddle and I stopped on the saddle cause I could see into the other side of it. Mm-hmm. Right. And audibly too, you know, uh, sound is like sight. Like you've got to have line of sight to something. You've got to have line of sound to something, right? Mm-hmm. A ridge is going to block sound almost as effectively as it blocks your ability to see. And so when I popped over that saddle, I just literally got my eyes and my ears over the saddle and just sat there. And then I heard the bugle, right? Mm-hmm. And I knew, I mean, they were a hundred yards away from me. If I hadn't have done that, I would have walked right into the middle of them and freaked them all out. Like I did the morning, that morning. And that's Dang. why I learned not to do that. Um, so, so when, yeah. When, when you heard your first bugle out in the woods, like, because I, I, I would imagine it's going to be really hard for me to tell how far it is because I just don't know how loud they are. Yep. Usually, do you think people are more biased in thinking they're closer or, or is it usually farther? 100% depends on the terrain. So if you're like in really, really dark timber, you're going to think it's further away. If you're in really open area, you're going to think he's closer. Oh, because the sound's going to travel. It's going to travel differently. Yeah. Gotcha. So it's uh, honestly, that one's, we'll talk about sign here and I can give you great kind of benchmarks of how old sign is, but to give you benchmarks of how far a bugle away is, ugh, yeah, I don't that's know. Tough. It's hard. Yeah. Um, but one thing I would do is when you're locating a bugle, don't just sit there and stare right where you thought it was. Slowly turn your head side to side because your brain, the ability for your brain to tell where something is located is by like differential of volume on your left and your right ear. Right. My dad's an ear doctor. So here you go. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, if you slowly move your head side to side, Mm -hmm. left to right what'll happen is that's giving your brain a massive amount of information on the volume of the sound depending on where its location is from you right so all of a sudden it's way easier to pinpoint that elk's location than if you just sit still with your head frozen right okay so it'll calibrate it basically kind of calibrates your your hearing so um that's a great thing to do and you don't have to do that all the time right so if you hear one you're like oh man was that that was a bugle but where is it the next time it bugles you kind of just move it slowly side to side and it'll be amazing you'll be like oh he's right there nice Um, it's uh it's pretty weird little trick but it works yeah i heard on a another podcast where these two guys hunt together and when they hear a bugle they both point in the direction that they think it is and then Mm -hmm. they just average out their their where they pointed so if totally. I pointed north, you pointed west. All right, we're going northwest. Like, yeah, let's go right down the middle. And Margaret and I have done that. It's been really funny because sometimes I'll point right and she'll point left. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a uh, that's a great like. Okay, now we got to listen again. Moment. Yeah. Like, let's wait for this. But you, they'll echo around in there. They'll be all sorts of funky. Uh, so yeah, sometimes it takes a little while. Sometimes you have to move too to really figure it out, especially if they're mm-hmm. further away. 
you get up higher, get to the side or something Mm -hmm. uh, to figure it out. But um, yeah, so those are all great tricks for finding them by sound. Nice. Um, The bugling stuff, uh, we'll talk more about calling on another one, but my general take on bugling is that uh, unless you're a phenomenal caller and your tactic is going to be, I'm going to ignore the 95% of the elk that aren't vocal and just go for the five that are, Mm-hmm. bugling is uh, it can be a bad thing i've been blown away with how good elk are at locating exactly where you are like i've had yeah. elk come to where i called 50 minutes to an hour and a half later to the exact spot and look like down at it it's creepy mm-hmm. uh, so every time you blow a call it's literally an advertisement of i am here so if you blow a call and they're like that is not an elk and the trust me they're good at this and over the counter units now you are literally advertising i am a human i am here so all that to say, I location bugle really, really sparingly. Mm-hmm. And I try not to do it when I'm like in the exact areas they're going to be. Uh, and so I might, you know, for my style, I'm just looking for every hour or 40, 30 minutes, maybe, right? Just enough to, if something's active in that area, he'll come back. But I'm not trying to make them active. I'm not changing them. But just be wary with that because it, it will help you locate them sometimes. But it's also you telling them, hey, I'm here. Yeah. So would you describe your style as more leaning towards the spot and stock style? Definitely. Yeah. I'm definitely a little more because of the spearfishing background and a lot of this stuff. I'm very patient. Yeah. Right? So I'm a very different style than a lot of the the guys at Elk Hunt. But I oh trust me, I've called them in and I've I love to do that. I just wait for an elk that's uh that's willing to play. Like if I hear one bugling or I get a rip to my location bugle, then I'm then I'm going for it. Yeah. Um, I do cow call a lot though. Because cow oh, calling okay. helps you cover the noise you're making. It's really hard to screw up. It sounds pretty authentic with a mm-hmm. mouth call. Um, there's not much downside to that in my experience. Gotcha. So, okay. Yeah. So anyway, I think that's it. Um, we talked about this once before, but if you do wake up to pee at like two or three in the morning or middle of the night, elk are far more vocal at night because they're comfortable. They're nocturnal. They're moving around feeding. Mm-hmm. So if you rip a bugle at like two or 3 AM, you are going to know if there's elk in that area, they will come back to it almost anytime, even super early season. Wow. So a location bugle. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And so you can, and guys will do this. They'll drive roads at two or three in the morning and bugle up into canyons just to see if there's wow. elk there. Uh, it's to a level of ones they're going after. Exactly. It's a real, um, level of intensity you might not get. Right. But, uh, if you're already up and going to the bathroom or something, it's worth a go. Yeah. So do you ever wake up in the middle of the night to bugles? I've done it a few times, but generally the areas I'm in, uh, knock on wood, like I'm always into elk and I'm getting like two or three encounters a day. So I'm not, you already know they're there. Yeah. Um, yeah. What has happened a lot though, is I'll, you know, I camp really close to elk, which we'll talk about, you know, within a few hundred yards of them, no problem. And they will bugle all night long or they'll bugle, you know, I'll be camped somewhere and one will I'll hear him coming at one thirty in the morning, you know, a mile away. And then he'll be within 50 yards of my stinking tent, keeping That's me crazy. up. And then he keeps going. Right. So yeah, you'll hear him all night long too. If you're really packed up in there. Wow. Yeah, so would cool. you say the most important, uh, sounds to learn at first would be location bugle and then maybe a cow call. Yeah. I, I think a cow call is number one. Like if you, if you're like, you got one sign or sorry, one sound cow mm-hmm. call every day of the week. Okay. Uh, and make it the, the like, the come to me mm-hmm. sounds the me the high low because okay. yeah. that's uh that's the general i need a response from you kind of ask from the cow 
But uh, there's far better calling resources. Like I'm not going to even try to teach this just because I know what I'm really good at and know what I'm not good at. <laughs> and calling is not something I should be teaching folks um, yet. So row hunting resources, Paul Elknut, Medell, uh, Corey Jacobson stuff. Um, although you did Elk 101 last year. Yeah, like I did the, last year. How was uh, the calling section then? Uh, it was... It, it wasn't like extra long. I, I know yeah, he's that like was my memory from like five years ago is it wasn't really that in depth. Yeah. It was about yeah. as in depth as like the other sections. So it just felt like another chapter. It didn't feel really special getting to hear him. There was a couple of videos in there that were cool, mm-hmm. but I just downloaded the elk nut uh, app, which yeah. has like all the different sounds in there. So yeah. yeah, we'll have to get him on here. He's uh he's truly amazing. Uh, Cause he's just, he knows he knows what he's doing. He's doing over the counter hunts all the time. So does oh man, am I the one to judge? All these guys know what they're doing. They're freaking phenomenal. But uh, I just find that app is really really easy to use and great. So yeah, okay, it's cool. Uh, so I'll practice my cow elk call because I know for sure I've got two months out. I'm not going to become like a great caller in in this short amount of time. So no, no, totally. And you'll the- you'll focus on it. We'll talk a bit about like you know raking and stuff instead of bugling. Some other things you can do to get around that that work mm-hmm. really really stinking well cool um, i've had i've had elk running in on me just all i've ever done is cow called done a few other things like raking and had bulls just come ripping at me so it's uh you don't need to be able to call great to to get really good calling action if that makes sense yeah that makes sense yeah okay well, let's get into the fun part sign right so locating elk by sign so what we're going to do here is i'm going to go through each of the different types of sign and then we can talk about like the best way to, to age them because that's the most yeah. important thing here is like on this loop, I mean, unless you pick the spot in Kansas, you're going to run across elk sign, like mm-hmm. a lot of elk sign. They leave so much. And the question is, is it three weeks old or is it 30 minutes old? Because both of that's a very, very different thing, right? Yeah. During my scouting trip, I saw a lot of very, very old sign. Well, good. There you go. Now you know what not, what not to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, yeah. And so probably the most common of all of them is the poop, right? And it's the most easy to see because it's just sits on top of the ground it's obvious um and there's kind of five stages to that generally mm-hmm. um the first and we'll go from like freshest to oldest but uh the like the freshest stuff is like a green or a light brown more usually brown but even slightly green and it's like if it's fresh it's like glistening right yeah. you're pulled like <laughs> might discuss people with this you're pulled eggs out of a pan and they're all like glistening Yes. Right. And then give them like two minutes and the outside's kind of like tougher. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like that's a, a way sped up version of elk poop. If you look at it and the whole thing is like glistening and there's even steam coming off of it. Yeah. You, you are. <laughs> it's uh, I had a great opportunity for this like a few years ago where we were hiking up a creek in the morning uh, and I knew there were elk in this little spot. This is actually right near where I shot my elk last year. And uh, we we're sneaking up this creek. And as we're sneaking up the creek, I'm seeing prints and I'm looking at the prints. I'm going, okay, these look really fresh, but they're in the mud. In the mud, it can be a little harder to age prints. I'm like, these look very, very fresh. And we're walking along this creek bed almost up to the meadow. And I look over and I see a a steaming pile of poop. And I'm like, all right, (laughs) that's fresh. Uh, And we kind of crawled over the edge of the rim of the creek. And I looked up and 80 yards away, there's a cow and a calf feeding. Wow. And I'm like, okay, wow, they're here, right? Um, at this point, uh, Margaret's with me. I'm trying to get her on it. And like sneaking up to them is going to be really hard. So we start kind of trying to do it. And we get within about 15 yards of this dark timber. Mm-hmm. And right when we get to that 15 yards, 
at literally 20 yards away, a bull just like rips a bugle. <laughs> wow. Just, I'd never seen him, never understood he was in there. Just lets one go. Um, and we both panicked so much that we literally raked a tree to try to get him. But we were so close, 20 yards away, that he actually spooked, which Whoa. if you rake is a very non-typical response. But we should have just shut up and tried to take a shot at 20 yards. But we were mm-hmm. both so freaked out by something. Uh, when an elk bugle is that close to you, you're, trust me, you're, <laughs> you're awake. <laughs> Dang. Uh, but that's, is a great opera, great situation that would not have happened. Like I would have walked right up there and spooked him if I hadn't been able to tell, Hey, that's, you know, 15 minutes old, 10 minutes old. Right. Yeah. So when you do find really, really fresh poop, what, what do you do? Stop. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Listen, mm-hmm. don't move. Uh, just look, right? Um, if you're at a wind, you know, think about the windows, right? The window for that was getting to the edge of this creek because the creek bed's like 20 feet deep. Uh, so sneaking up to the edge of it and looking out that, yeah, uh, right? Um, just be really quiet. But uh, so that's that's a great situation. That's the best, right? Mm-hmm. But there's what you'll see most of the time is somewhere in between. So next stage is kind of like brown and you have this slightly damp exterior. Like it looks like it's wet, but there's not like glistening kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. that's like 30 minutes to an hour old, right? They're around, but they might not be next to you. Um, after that, it's kind of dark brown or black. Like the exterior has turned black-ish. Yeah. Uh, and it looks a little bit dry on the outside, but when you kind of touch it with your boot, um, always kind of step on it or kick it, uh, mm-hmm. it'll kind of mush. Right. It's like that coating will break off and the inside will still be brown or mushy, Right. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, that's like a few hours to maybe a day, okay, old somewhere in there. Uh, all this really depends on where it is, because if it's in a creek bed where there's a lot of moisture, um, it's going to look fresher for longer. If it's out in the sun on an open hillside, I mean, I've seen poop that was black by the end of like black and hard by the end of the day, right? That I knew an elk drop that morning. So it just kind of depends. Um, Level four, the black exterior is like fibery. You kind of see the fibers in it and it's dry. And the inside is like somewhat soft. Like it's not rock hard, but like you have to really push on it. That can be like mm-hmm. a day or two old. And that's probably the most okay. deceptive stuff because you're like, ooh, is that fresh? But actually it keeps the moisture in the middle of it there for a little while. So that can be that can be like a day or two. Okay. But if it's black and fibery, that like the outside's really starting to dry out. Starting to dry out. Then you're like, yeah, this is old. And then you probably saw a lot of the old stuff, which is like, it's like light gray almost. Yeah. Like yeah. Out, and it's got fibrous kind of stuff. And when you mm-hmm. kick it, it's like lightweight. It kind of bounces, right? Yeah. And it almost looked like there's dust on it or something. Dusty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That kind yeah. of thing. So, I mean, that's kind of the continuum, but really, if you're looking any sort of mush in the inside, it's like that's within a day-ish or so. And that's what yeah. you're looking for with that. So even if it's level four, like you're still in the, a good area. You might be, right? You know, day or two old, elk move a lot. So day or two old, they might have gone somewhere. You never know. Uh, it's worth a shot. But uh, it's if you're seeing that everywhere, you're not seeing anything fresh, then it's like, hmm. Because if they're in the area, there's going to be something within a day, right? Uh, so something to look at and you're adding all this up, right? It's not just poop. It's like poop. It's sign. It's wallows. It's, it's everything. So, yeah. Um, so tracks next thing you're going to see everywhere tracks, right? Um, and you've seen this a little bit with deer. You've kind of had an opportunity to do this, but elk territory is generally pretty dry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this could be hard to age stuff because the wetter something is the fresher the sign looks. Yeah. But there's really three things to do with tracks. One is to look at the edges. So you get down on your hands and knees 
you look at the edges of it and it's really sharp. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a great sign. And if you're, you're wondering what that should look like, take your boot next to it and stuff it in the same dirt and then look at how sharp right. the edges of that are and then compare yeah. it to the, the edges of that sign. So really sharp, well-defined edges. That means it's pretty, pretty darn fresh. Um, another one is look inside of the track. So like at the bottom of it, and if you look and there's leaves, leaves and stuff that's still pushed into the ground, mm-hmm. it's really stinking fresh. Yeah. Right? And like the grass is all folded in, right? Into it. Yeah. Up. But more importantly, it's the stuff that drops down into it from above. So there's tons of pine needles and leaves and things blowing around all the time. Mm-hmm. And so uh, even a track that's an hour or two old, you usually have a pine needle or something that kind of fell into it. Mm-hmm. Right. And if, the elk had been there recently, that wouldn't have happened because it would have pushed that to the bottom of it. Right. So if you see stuff collecting in the track, that's a sign it's a little bit older, right? Got it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you're not in like mud or something that really marks well, you're in dust or kind of powdery fluff, which you'll see a lot of uh, in over-the-counter areas, uh, blow on it. I get down there and pff, just kind of blow on the track and you'll be able to tell like how easily it blows away. And if it blows away really easily and it still looks sharp, you know it's really fresh. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. So you can kind of use those three and there's not, you know, I don't have great, like, Hey, it's an hour or two old kind of things based off of those for you, but you're just looking for, for sharpness. If it looks like it's really sharp, the stuff is pushed down, it's in there and you, it's a, you find dry powdery dirt and you blow on it and it totally disintegrates, but it looks super sharp before Mm -hmm. that all means elk have been there within like the last few hours. So that's really really good. Okay. Yeah. So I'm guessing you'll probably start to see these correlate together, like the totally. poop and the tracks. Yeah. So you find yeah. that poop and like, obviously an elk had to walk within, you know, a foot of it. So, uh, look around for the tracks right there Yeah, right, and see what that looks like. And it kind of comes together. Um, wallows, right. So we're just gonna keep taking down the list, all these things we can talk about adding them up, but wallows, this is probably the one in all the YouTube videos I've watched guys get wrong the most. Um, they find a wallow and they're like, Ooh, wallow elk are here. And no elk are like, there's wallows that they don't hit at all during an entire year. Like mm-hmm. I've, I've watched a wallow every day of the season I know is in there and I've never seen an elk hit it once, you know, maybe two weeks before season they hit it, but, uh, it's very, so don't get that in your mind that if there's a wallow, there's elk around, right? Yeah. Um, but again, three things to look for when you're looking at the wallow. The first one is water clarity. Mm-hmm. So I've got a photo up on the the sites and you actually don't need water in a wallow. So uh, one of the most active wallows I've ever seen has no water in it. It's just muddy, just muddy, but mm. the majority of them do. Yeah. A lot of them kind of have this one little area of mud and what you're looking for there is the water clarity. So if that water is clear, that means it had time to be still and all the sediments settled out of it. Yeah. That usually means it's at least like a half a day to a day old, at least it okay. hasn't been hit. And so if you see clear water, that's not a good sign. Got it. That means they're not really in there. Now, some wallows are kind of in creeks. And if there's running water going through it, like obviously it'll clear up in like 10 minutes. So Mm -hmm. you can disregard that. But but yeah, that's a good way to tell. If you get to a, but if you do get to a wallow and there's water in it and it's murky, muddy looking stuff that looks like it was freshly churned up, that's a great sign. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, So obviously looking for prints all around there. But again, prints are a little harder to age in the mud. Like I've seen elk prints that I know are four days old. Like mm-hmm. I've, hit, I've hit that wallow every morning for four days and they still looked pretty darn fresh. Oh, wow. Because it's, it's just so, wet mud, right? Yeah, yeah it's so, such sharp edges, huh? Such, uh, yeah, it just retains the way, the way it is. So mm-hmm. um, 
that can be a tough one. Hair prints, right? So elk usually lay down and roll in this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so they'll leave you know, thousands of little tiny hair imprints. Oh, wow. And those, again, they're such fine detail, they'll go away within about a day or something. Mm-hmm. But if you see, can see those, you know something was in there. Like there's been multiple times I've hit Wallows. The photo on the website has this too. You can see where he laid down. Wow. So it's the like the texture. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so if you see that, that's a great sign. Uh, another one is like muddy chunks kind of outside of the wallow. And this is great because for the first time, the mud in the wallow has the opportunity to dry out. Yeah. And so what the bulls do is when they get in there, they'll take their horns, and they'll kind of rake it and thrash it or paw it. And that'll mm-hmm. kick a lot of the mud out of the wallow onto the grass on the sides. Again, you yeah. look at the photo there. But if you see that and you find that mud that's kind of up in the grass or whatever it is around it, and that that stuff is still wet, then it's going to Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. And otherwise, it's just going to dry out and get hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and vice versa. If it is hard and dried out, you know that's probably from a while ago. Right. Uh, so lots of ways to tell if it's it's kind of fresh. Any okay. questions on that? Yeah. So does this also, same thing with the poop? Like if you see tracks or wallows that are really fresh, do you just stop and listen? And totally. Any of these things where it's like super fresh or you, know, you can also... Uh, one of the dynamite things if you really just really want to kill any elk is to do like set up and call do a calling sequence Mm -hmm. we'll talk about that next week but if you find that kind of fresh sign you know they're in the area that's a great place to just just start blind calling like mellow uh and paul's got some really great sequences for that you know every three to five minutes with like gentle cow calls kind of working your way up Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, they'll come wandering in because they'll be like, oh, there's another elk. What's going on? Right. Uh, and that's especially deadly if you don't really care about shooting uh, you know, a spike or a small bull or a cow. I mean, you still have odds, but every kind of elk will come to that. Yeah. Would you do a lost calf cow uh, call if you don't care if you want to just shoot a cow? Uh, that's one of the most dynamite calls on the planet. That's uh, one of wow, the few really? ones that just brings things in. However, blind calling with that generally doesn't work super well. Okay. I've had way better luck where I see the cows or I know they're there and then I want to bring them back. Interesting. How come the blind calling doesn't work well for a lost calf? Because uh, it's kind of out of the blue, it seems. Like they're kind of just like, what's going on? But if you're around elk that are in that area, I think they're much more likely to come in because they think it's a cow from that herd. Oh, I see. Okay. It okay. seems, I haven't had great luck with it. And granted, I haven't done it a ton because until Margaret was hunting with me, I was not really hunting cows as much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, yeah, I called, she got 20 yards from a cow. We don't think we have time for yet another story, but long story short, she got within 20 yards of a cow, almost took the shot. And then I called the cows back into her three or four times in a row without, oh. like there, it's very powerful kind of. Oh, with the lost calf cow. Yep. Call. Okay. And that mew, 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 mew. Uh, really works. So that's one. What else? Let's see. Sign. Rubs and trails. Yeah. Trails. Um. Trails are really tough because they'll literally can last like a year or two, like wallows. They can last years. So uh, you're looking for a lot of tracks. So it's not just like aging the tracks themselves. You're just looking for a lot because, oh, there's four, four hooves on every elk. This I know for sure. Uh, and there's not, there's usually not just one elk. And if there is like, you don't want to be in that area anyway, right? Like there's going to be a lot of them. So if it's a well-hit trail, you're not going to have questions of whether it's been used in the past few days. You're going to see tons gotcha. of tracks, right? Okay. Um, so that's that's kind of something to look for. Uh, mix it with the other sign. And then let's hit the last one, then we can kind of step back. The 
rubs. So this is another one that's really dangerous because a rub can last multiple years too, but generally pretty easy to do to test this one out. Basically, you're just, you know, when you whittle away a stick and you find that fresh kind of color in the middle of it, the white yep. yellow, mm-hmm. that's what you're looking for, right? Yeah. Um, so it's the color. And if you get to it and you're not sure, just take a pocket knife out and cut away some more of the bark. Just look at mm-hmm. the color and compare it. So yeah, in color, in last year when I went scouting in Colorado, it was like the rubs I found were super old. <laughs> it was like completely dried out in the middle. Just yeah. yeah. So at least again, I know what I'm to, to not like when I look for when I see that. At least I know that's a bad sign. Yeah. Although generally, if you're finding rubs in an area, like they're gonna usually be in that same vicinity the next year. Maybe not that exact spot, but that same altitude in that general area. They yeah, tend to okay. come back every year. So it's a good sign, but uh, yeah, actually, if you're looking to locate them, it's fresh, fresh. Yeah. I was actually going to ask, um, how late into the season do they keep rubbing their antler or their like antlers? Yeah. On trees. Oh, all season long. Yeah. Oh, really? The early, early part of the season, they're rubbing velvet off or before season, they're rubbing velvet off. The little guys tend to have velvet that sticks around longer than the old guys, but they'll rub velvet off all during the early season. And then by that point, they're already well into like rubbing and they'll attack trees kind of out of aggression. Oh, I see. Um, okay. I posted that great photo on Instagram. What was it? Like five or six days ago with the circle around that little tree. Did you see that one? Yes, I did. Yeah. You don't that torn just apart. demolished it. And then you notice the one next to it had already been rubbed partially. Mm-hmm. And then like that, that bull was full on rutting. Uh, and we got within about 50 yards of him or 100 yards of him when uh, we saw other hunters, which is a real bummer. Oh. He had been in that area just tearing stuff apart for like a day or two. You you will not wonder if it's fresh when you see it. It'll look like that, right? He's they're just all over it. Okay, yeah. So so that's it. Sap too. The other way to look at stuff is to look at sap. So if oh, fresh right. rubs are going to have kind of clear, clean, you know, not dried up sap, mm-hmm. right? It's going to be kind of that fresh versus the older stuff has the saps kind of dried up. And it's like hard little pellets versus yeah. like poop, right? It's it's soft or got soft in the center versus totally hard. Okay, so you can kind of push on the sap with your finger too. Mm-hmm. just to check out how old it is so um so that's a lot of info you, you pick all that up <laughs> yeah so poop tracks wallows rubs trails yep. and i guess in the end you'll, you'll start to piece it all together because where where poop is there's going to be tracks where mm-hmm. wallows are there are going to be tracks yep uh, and then, exactly yeah. so it all comes together and this is you know stepping back to what we're talking about which is finding out quick if you're running that loop, you're going from spot to spot to spot, likely spots that you know they're going to hit, like we talked about when we're scouting, and you're not seeing you know, any of those five things, or you're not seeing fresh stuff, you're going to start going, hmm, like are there really elk in this area, right? Because oh. if you're covering all that ground and hitting those high probability spots, you're going to see sign. Elk leave a ton of sign. Yeah. So it's not a question of if, it's a question of when. And so the ability for you to be confident that if there's elk around, you're going to find their sign. And if not, to be able to pull the trigger and move out of there a day, in like just a day, that's mm-hmm. going to save your hunt. Because so many guys, the first time, me included, the first time you go into a spot, um, you get in there and you spend five days in somewhere that just doesn't have elk and you're literally hunting ghosts. There's nothing there. Gotcha. How about in areas with predators? Are you also looking for their sign? Uh, yeah, I've had a bit of experience with that. Uh, we actually had one kill a bull like... Was that about a half a mile away from the truck one year? Whoa. Like the day after they were all gone. Crazy. Uh, so 
yeah, if you see fresh wolf prints in particular, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if you're in, what is it now? It's Montana, Wyoming, Idaho, Washington, even, I guess. If you're seeing fresh wolf sign, yeah, it's not a great, but I mean, the other thing is wolves are where the elk are. They hunt elk. So yeah, you never know. But if you're seeing a ton of wolf sign, you're hearing them and they've, uh, they've changed the way they call in Idaho a little bit. I picked this up from a guy that had been there for 10 years and he was like, you've been actually hearing wolves. It's not, they will do the howl, but they also do this really low ooh noise. Yeah. Cause they know that the elk, they don't want to spook the elk. Right. But they got to communicate to each other. So I kept thinking that was like a bull moose or something making those weird noises. And the guy was like, no, 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 no. That's, those are wolves, man. Yeah. Um, That's them making these low kind of noises towards each other. Not Mm -hmm. the high pitch stuff, but just this kind of, I can't even, I'm doing a bad job of recreating it. But (laughs) if you hear that and you're seeing sign there in the area. Okay. Then do you just, do you just dip out of there, go to your B spot? If you hear them? Yeah. I mean, if I'm not finding elk, if they're in the area and I'm finding elk, hey, I'm still hunting there. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a good sign. They can come in and push elk out of the area for sure. They did that to me once here, uh, one year. They yeah. really will move you out. Of all the seasons that you've gone hunting, how many times on that first day loop do you see sign versus have to like pull the plug and move over to the next spot? Uh, this is probably not great because I don't want you to think this is normal, but I've only ever pulled the plug once. Oh, well, it's probably because you did really good e-scouting. Really good research, yeah, and scouting and e-scouting. But almost always within two hours, three hours of me leaving the trailhead, I'm into elk sign. That's within a day old. Nice. Uh, So it's a good, and I've been, that's luck too. You know, it's a lot of, like everything's half half hard work and half luck. So I've Mm -hmm. been very lucky. (laughs) I will say that's the day I'll die. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's, so it's for me, if I'm not seeing stuff, I'm super confident to be like, I'm out of here because mm-hmm. I feel most of the time you're going to see stuff if they're around. Okay. Yeah. So, Interesting. Uh, and you've heard about the barnyard whiff, right? Like that smell. Oh yeah. Yeah. I have heard. It. I think you mentioned this. They, the elk just smell pretty strongly, right? So strong. <laughs> so this is, that's the number one way, the number one way you will find elk before they find you. Is that is whiff? No. Huh. Yeah, because you're again, you're going to want to always be trying to go up upwind if you can. I mean, every now and then you have to not, but the majority of the time you want to be trying to move with the wind. And that, uh, when you're within a few hundred yards of an elk, you and the wind's coming to you, you will get that smell. Uh, oh wow! Like you will not wonder if you're smelling something. You'd be like, whoa. Yeah. Uh, it's very distinct elk smell. And the hard thing about that is the poop, the pee, and the wallows in particular can have the same smell to them and they can mm-hmm. hold it for like days or weeks. So you might stand right above that and then you'll really get the whiff. But mm-hmm. every time you smell that, just freeze, completely freeze, Dang. right? Not even motion, just look around um, because they might, you might be within a hundred yards of an elk if you're doing a good job of walking around silently and stopping and listening. Yeah. So if you do smell them all of a sudden and the, the wind's coming to you, you, smell them, you freeze, you look around. If you don't see any at all, do you start moving towards that smell slowly yeah slowly slowly peeking through the doorways Mm -hmm. yeah just checking it out okay yeah because you'll and that's actually how i shot the elk the second time around we knew where i went back to the same spot i was the first year and i knew a really good area uh, and we'd been following them and we'd had like 30 minute old poop for like two hours i think we were basically tracing their footsteps Mm -hmm. stopped had lunch 
and then walked up to this wallow I'd marked. I'd never been to, but marked on Google Earth. Walked right up to it. And as we're walking towards it, both Margaret and I were like, just froze. Nobody, we didn't even say a word. And we both looked at each other and touched our nose. And we're like, what is that smell, right? And then we both pointed, same like you're saying, we both pointed to where we thought the smell was coming from. We both kind of pointed off to our left. Mm -hmm. And uh, we repositioned and got up to the wallow. And when we got to that wallow is when we heard the massive bugle about a hundred yards away. Uh, And that was when the cow, that one time I shot the cow, right? Because the cow came walking in and uh, she was only there for three days. And I was like, I want her to see this. Yeah. And she had told me before, I want you to shoot any elk. I want to see it. Uh, Yeah. It was super hard. She's like, oh, there's a bugling bull 80 yards away. Mm -hmm. But it was like, it it came walking in at, you know, 28 yards turned broadside. I'm like, well, (laughs) (laughs) meet time. Yeah. So she got to watch. She was sitting there the whole, I mean, she was sitting there at 25 yards looking right at this cow over the top of a log. It was one of the coolest things ever. Dang, that's crazy. Yeah, this, wow, this is super helpful because just before today, I I was like, you know, daydream. Now, the crazy thing is now that we're like a couple months out, I've been thinking Mm -hmm. about elk hunting every day. I just cannot stop thinking about it. Yep. And uh, especially when I'm hiking, I'm like, oh, this is for elk hunting. And uh, I I was trying to imagine what the days are going to look like, what the Mm -hmm. hours are going to look like, what I'm going to be doing. And this makes a lot of sense on like what to be doing actually like minute by minute throughout the day lots of slow walking yeah Yeah. stopping listening watching looking getting down on your hands and knees you know pulling out your binos and looking at stuff that's a great one too with binos is you got them on that little chest harness you can kind of flip them out and look at stuff that's like 30 feet away Mm -hmm. so you don't have to go walk over and look at everything yeah do that a lot rub right like a rub or something yeah look at a rub over the way look on the other side of the creek bank at some tracks uh your binos now go down to like eight feet so you can zoom them all the way out and you can see clear as day. So yeah, it's a great thing to do. But yeah, that, that's kind of my day. And that's another reason I'm so obsessed about lightweight packs. I'm on my feet all day long, right? Yeah. And I'll take a nap. I love naps. Some of the best naps you'll ever get. Uh, it's like Margaret and I with the baby, we're saying this is the best sleep we've ever gotten, even though it's like an hour <laughs> at a time because it's the happiest you ever are. You're completely relaxed and happy. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, yeah. I think it's a lot of the same when you're hunting is you're just in such a happy space space and you're so relaxed that those naps are great so anyway don't get me started on naps but uh, <laughs> yeah this would be what you're going to be doing all day long okay cool kind of running the loop and looking for elk sign and then then when you find it then you're starting to strategize okay now how do i get close to them you know, where am i going to set up camp tonight and then how do i make the shot happen and funny enough those are the next three <laughs> those are the next three modular whatever you call them chapters articles modules i don't even know Awesome. And uh, yeah, because that was going to be my next question. It's like, oh, wait, okay, maybe you see one, maybe you hear one close by. What are the techniques? How do you like sneak in? How do you even draw your bow with a line of sight and like not get seen? All that kind of stuff. So, oh, excited, man, excited you're going to have to wait. Yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> it's going to be cool. I, I have to like restrain myself from reading the next article so I can like come into the podcast and just ask questions the way I normally yeah. do. But uh, yeah, this is good. Well, we'll get to it quick here. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm excited for this fall. It's um, for the guys that didn't listen. I think we said this before, but Josh happened to pick the same unit I did. Uh, which is pretty cool. And we didn't really plan it this way, but we're going to end up being in the same area at the same time. And we're both going to have a while. So hopefully I'll get to walk around with you a bunch and show you some of this stuff in person. Oh, so it'll be cool to... That'd be so cool. That one but, uh, day will be a lot more informative than this one hour of chatting. <laughs> you can point it out and be like, that's you know hour and a half old. And that's yeah. five hours. But yeah, I used your, uh, your Google Sheets, looked at the 
the units and I, I sent them, I sent you a few and you're, I was like, you're not in these, right? And you're like, uh, <laughs> about that. Yeah. yeah. No, it's going to be good, man. Like we talked about, there's a million good units out there, but uh, it's, it's kind of fun to be in the same unit. Yeah. It'd be kind of cool to be, be out there. Uh, we definitely didn't plan it, but we, I definitely would have, if I could have, um, yeah, and that's it. I mean, it, it, we already talked about it too. The last part of the article here, I just want to cover is like, if you don't find elk, like this is why you scouted the B, the C, the D, the E spot, right? You get out of there, move. Like this is, you know, don't waste time. And I, for me, if I spend 24 hours in a spot I, and I don't see stuff, I'm comfortable being done. Like, wow, comfortable being done. Cause I'm going to run a five to 10 mile loop. And if you don't find fresh sign in a five to 10 mile loop in 24 hours, because 24 hours is always one morning, one evening, right? Yeah. Then you can be really confident to get out of there. Okay. That was so. a good distinction there. Like just how big that loop is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's super helpful. Cause then you, a spot doesn't work. You go to B spot and you just do that same loop looking for the same stuff. Right. Yep. Cool. And you, if you play it right and you're careful and you time things well, and you don't bust elk out of there you don't run around at wrong times you camp in good areas like you can you can hunt the same area for a week or two weeks right they'll mm -hmm. stay in there if they're not disturbed so yeah once you do find them then you can really focus on the nitty-gritty stuff um, there's been times where we've hunted martin and i have hunted a valley that's like 400 yards by 200 yards morning and evening for three days mm -hmm. and every evening almost you know cow ran by at 30 yards in the brush and she didn't get a shot or a bull bugled and came in and turned and you know encounter every morning every night and i you know i'm wow. about it so it's uh what i'm trying to say is just move 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 until you find elk and then when you find elk you're fairly set okay and then one last random question so if you're doing that loop and you run right into another hunter do you just go to your b spot or uh yeah, that's a hard one because he's never going to tell you the truth, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking as a guy who's tried not to lie to people, but also, you know, like I totally understand it. Why would you ever give away all your hard work to some, some you know, other random dude? I don't know. I've, I've met guys that I liked a lot and I'll tell them everything, whatever. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I don't trust what the other person is going to say just because you wouldn't want them to force that on you either, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'd go verify right mm -hmm. so if he's like oh there's not a single elk in this thing cool finish your loop yeah uh, you might find a ton um, if he says oh there's a bunch of elk just finish your loop yeah finish your loop. right right okay. and so but it's another data point if he's like ah oh, i have nothing in here and, uh, da, 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 and then you run it and you see nothing you're like okay he wasn't lying to me mm -hmm. but uh you know trust but verify <laughs> yeah yeah maybe we'll have to touch on that another time but when you do run into order what do you what are the questions you ask what do you not ask what do you say what do you not say yeah all, all that kind of stuff well yeah, i can give you the quick version now because i don't know if we'll remember it but uh this one's going long but hey good stuff the i think it's etic, general etiquette is to be friendly and mm -hmm. but never ask like very direct questions mm -hmm. right don't be like hey how many elk did you see in that because you put him in a spot right. where he looks bad having to lie to you or tell you no yeah right and so there's ways to ask that there's ways to be like hey yeah i feel like i've seen a few over here like you know how's your week been going or something you know and like if he mm -hmm. wants to volunteer it he will right yeah um yeah i generally wouldn't come in bust into some guy's spot and be like hey are there elk here <laughs> <laughs> you know you won't get shot but it's uh it's not good etiquette i've had lots of guys do that they'll pull up at the trailhead walk over to my place 
and be like, Hey, have you seen a lot of elk? Like, how was it? And where are they? And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like I'm, I want to be friendly and I'll be like, yeah, there's elk in the general area or something, but like, it's yeah. So don't do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'll just go up to them or if I do run into them, I'll just say like, Oh, it's my first time elk hunting. Like this has yeah. been a blast. Blah, blah, blah. Totally. Yeah. And they'll, they'll be willing to help. And I think another one that I always do is if I'm you know, if you meet someone in the backcountry, who knows who's there first or whatever. But if you pull up at a trailhead and a guy's posted out there or you backpack up and he's already in a basin, um, the guy was there first. Mm-hmm. It's public land. Uh, like those hundreds, I saw it a hundred yards, right? I walked in and they were in front of me and I walked into their back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the first thing I did is grab them and said, hey, I'm sorry. Uh, where, which way do you want me to get out of here? Uh, yeah. Where are you hunting? And how long are you going to be here? And they're like, hey, we're here. We're going to be in this area. We've been here. We're going to be here another two days. And I'm like, cool. If I go downwind that way yeah great so like give it to them you know okay that's what you'd want to be done to you and uh yeah vice versa so yeah don't you know i think it's a horrific idea to ever ever hunt an elk that you know someone else is hunting like just yeah you don't want that it's already hard enough so there's plenty of elk to go around okay yeah cool yeah good tips that's it i think we uh covered a lot of ground but uh now you know what to do to find them and you this is i know it sounds sad but this is generally the easy part like finding the elk is generally, oh man, <laughs> generally fairly easy. Um, it's closing the distance is kind of the hardest bit, but we'll talk a lot okay. about that here soon. Yeah, yeah, I'm very excited, and hopefully, maybe I'll get a little bit of practice this deer season. Yeah, yeah, totally. You'll be able to age some tracks and see some stuff, which would be good. Yeah, although it dries out really quick here in California. That's true. Yeah, so that's it um, for guys. You'll do the one promotional moment, which is. Uh, sign up for the newsletter on the website if you want. I'm doing stuff on Instagram, on YouTube, on articles every week, gear reviews every week, usually YouTube videos. There's just a lot of things. You can go subscribe and do all that stuff everywhere else, or you can just sign up for the newsletter. And I put it all in that one email a week. That's it. Um, podcast two, go in there. So if guys are loving this, that's the one place to go to get all the info every week. Yep, I I subscribed to it and uh, Baby Bowman made an appearance this last week, which was awesome. Yeah, he, he but, jumped uh, <laughs> into the newsletter. Yeah, I kind of give guys an uh, inside scoop on like day-to-day life, things I'm testing, stuff I'm working through, which is kind of cool too. So, yeah, it's yeah. just one a week, so not bad at all. Nah, easy peasy. Cool. All right, man, looking forward to next week.